Hello, welcome to Remote Patrol. Oh boy, this time we're doing episode 7 of Quantum Leap, The Colour of Truth. It's a serious one this week, people. Yeah, the the title is very on the nose, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, in this episode... Oh, hello, I'm Rich and this is Scott. Sorry, Hi. I always forget. Um, right, this, this is a race one. This shit just got real. <laughs> In this one. Tonight on a very special episode of Quantum Leap. It is. It's that kind of thing. Now we're going to start to learn about how to be better people. And I like that. Yeah, and, and don't be fooled. This is by far not the last time we're going to have an episode like this. Oh, not, not uh, even a little bit. No, you're yeah, right. I, I consider this to be uh, possibly the best template for uh, the average Quantum Leap episode that we've had so far. Certainly, for for me, it's my favorite episode that we've gotten to. I would agree with you, and it is my favorite episode that we've we've been through so far. I enjoyed watching it. It was it's classic quantum leap. You you're right. This is a template episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so so in this one, Sam is an old black man, and he works for this old white lady. And he has to save her from being killed on a car in a car crash. That's that's this is actually one where the leap and the reason for the leap and all that sort of thing is kind of a secondary B story. Mm-hmm. He's got to stop her being, you know, in a car crash on an, a railroad track. And though all that's easy, just don't go on the railroad railroad track. The bigger issue we deal with is the racism that the elderly Jesse faces in the deep South in 1955. And, uh, it, it, it's the first time that we see Sam and his political and sociological attitudes. He, he is unable to, uh, switch off his feelings of injustice for this situation. Yeah. He, he can't not, uh, go above and beyond the reason for the leap. He knows what he's there to do. Well, ostensibly, because he he knows what Ziggy says. Oh, he always disagrees with Ziggy. Oh, but perhaps I'm here to do this. You're not, though. You're not. (laughs) You never are. It's always the thing Ziggy says. Except for when it's not the thing that Ziggy says. Like when Ziggy says, you need to uh, get these two people together, when in fact the real reason for the leap is cheat at this bingo game. Uh, Yeah, that that does happen (laughs) on occasion, doesn't it? Um, So Every once in a while. And he, you've you've got Al there, who is 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 made very clear, is very into the whole civil rights movement. He talks about being there at the time as a young man and being in marches and all that sort of thing. And even he can turn off that. No, you can't sit down at the lunch counter in 1955, Sam. That's gonna get your head caved in. To which Sam is always arguing, "Yeah, but I should be able to." Like, yes, you should, but it's 1955. <laughs> you should be able to, but you can't. Yeah, I'm kind of with Al on this. It's like, yeah, it, it, racism is all wrong. Absolutely. And you should be able to sit there. And that's why today you can sit there. But you are not there today. You are time traveling, for fuck's sake. Please try and accept this as an unusual set of circumstances. And accept that you cannot sit at the lunch counter in 1955. Please, as a man with six PhDs, Sam should be smart enough to realize, you know what? This is wrong, and it shouldn't be this way. However, one man who knows 
what the future holds can't just sit at the counter and make everything happen 50 years early. Exactly. You you just can't do it. And especially when it's something about a social attitude, you, you can't just be like, hey, you'll all feel stupid about this in 50 years. Stop being racist now and have them all go, well, I guess you're right. I'm not racist anymore. That's not going to, that that can't happen. That doesn't happen. I also feel like the civil rights movement happened. That was the thing. And Sam shouldn't fuck with that in any way. Like, what if, what if Sam did something and that, that then made a young Martin Luther King look and think, well, I'll not bother then. But Sam's not there to follow it through, and he just destroys the civil rights movement. That could right, happen which too. Was, which was always a risky endeavor to begin with. Yeah. I mean, you know, pe- people were jailed, people were injured, people were killed trying to um, pursue this civil rights agenda. If we, if we already know that it came out with more uh, benefits and more progress than it did setbacks and and difficulties. Uh, it it was a very difficult time, yes, but in the end, more good than bad came from it. And if Sam knows that, he should know better than to risk it at all. Exactly by fucking with it. Exactly. It it's one of those things you can't you can't fuck with it. Have you ever seen the movie The Final Countdown? I have not. No. The Final Countdown is about a super fancy brand new US Navy aircraft carrier, right? That gets sent back in time through a weird time warp. It's never in any way explained. But this this aircraft carrier is sent back in time, right? And they are sent back to the date of just before the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. You know, I think I've seen a scene or two from this. They're sent back in time, and then they they splash some. They splash a few zeros that are coming their way, yeah. and they end up changing the future. Well, they don't really change anything. That's kind of the whole argument. Like, what do you do? Do you you have the power to stop that Japanese fleet that is that you know is just there over the horizon because you're mm-hmm. from the present day? And do you do that? And you can't do that. That that's the the thing with it. You mustn't do that. World War Two happened. The America you you guys were attacked by J- Japan. That got you into the war. That caused the war to be concluded when it was. If you fuck with that in any way, the whole thing could go wrong. If you go back in time, you might be able to uh, help stop World War Two uh, much earlier, or even before it starts. Th- there's a chance that you could do that, but there's an equally strong chance that you might accidentally kill Joan Collins and then the Nazis take over the earth exactly. and the enterprise is never built. Exactly. Anything could happen. You can't be fucking with big things. You you just can't be doing that. It could all go horribly wrong. You can't ju- I mean, God, if World <laughs> War II didn't happen. Now, I'm not saying I'm pleased World War II happened. Let me make that extremely clear. It, it, mm-hmm. But it happened, and it happened a long time before I was even born as well. So I, I'm aware I have this level of det- detachment from it. But the world today would be such a significantly different place if that had never happened. It, 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 it's just remarkable how, how different the world would be, isn't it? If, if World War II never occurred? Dear God. 
I mean, right down to things like the formation of the EU and other things like that. What if we were still fighting each other in Europe? If it had never been absolutely put to bed forever with that? Oh, it, it just doesn't bear thinking about. And how would we know what villains to put in first-person shooters? Exactly. We were- it's, it always has to be Nazis because everyone feels fine killing Nazis. You never feel bad about it. Exactly. So you always have to have the first-person shooters. And it's, I, had, I had to take it in the non-serious direction because I'm, I'm, I'm bad at being serious. <laughs> I'm not really being serious. I'm, being, I'm only being serious in a science fiction time travel point of view. Right. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, you can't... It's one of those, oh, like, oh let's, make, let's go back and assassinate Hitler before the war. It's like, no. No, 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 no. No, that would, that would cause big problems. You can't... All the people that died, imagine if they didn't, right? Just from a, a logistical perspective, how many millions more people that puts in the world today if all of those people had two kids and they had two kids and they had two kids by now? That's that's so many. That's like another billion people. It's, it's bad. It would you'd destroy everything. So don't stop the Japanese bombing Pearl Harbor. That's the moral lesson for this episode. Yeah, and by extension, don't try to fix racism in a day in 1955. Because you're not going to. It's not going to end well. No, it's not going to. You know what's going to happen? You're going to get harassed. You're going to get insulted. You're going to have crosses burned on your lawn, and your granddaughter's going to get run off the road. I mean, I, I, I find this stuff kind of especially poignant now. The, yeah, segregation has ended. Uh, you know, there isn't the same level of racism and discrimination that there was in the 50s. And I'm I'm not, I, I don't even wish to pick on the United States for this. Things were not great here in 1955. I don't think they were as bad as, where is it? Is it Alabama or Georgia or something like that? It's not important, really. It's the South. Yeah. Where, where the racists are in 1955 from a televisual perspective. That's all you need. It's the South. They say yeah, Negra. That's, that's what they say there. They, you know? they, could have put, they could have put the South in the, the title card, and it would have worked just fine. We yeah. didn't need the, the specific yeah. city. They make it clear the general area of where they are by, um, by some of the things you see in the episode. Like, for example, the woman that Sam works for, whose name is escaping me right now. Miss... Melanie Trafford, Miss Melanie. It said Melanie, but (laughs) I, right, no, sorry, it's spelled Melanie, M-E-L-N-Y in the uh, IMDB description. Mm -hmm. I do, however, think it's Melanie, and that is it spoken with a southern accent. Yeah, I believe so. (laughs) Miss Melanie. Mm -hmm. You hear Miss Miss Melanie refer to Jesse's colored voodoo? Yes, yes, you do. Miss Melanie's son said, even on on television prime time, he says "Northern nigger" twice in one scene. They are definitely making sure that we know where and when this is taking place. When Jesse gets back home and he has his son and his granddaughter, and they're all in there, and Sam is cooking chitlins. What else do they have there in the kitchens being made? They have chitlins, they have collard greens, and they have cornbread, which all through the eighties and into the nineties is what I call the standard black meal of television. If it wasn't chitlins, it was fried chicken. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And I don't know why everyone thought that was so okay to have every black character on television eating fried chicken, collard greens, and cornbread. 
What is the deal with chicken and waffles? I, I honestly cannot tell you. I'm asking you both as a societal issue because I believe that's something that's... I'm given the impression that that is associated heavily with the black community in America. Chicken and waffles. So my question is, first of all, is it, is that correct? That it is something associated with the black community? Because I'm, I'm seeing this as an outsider and my information is coming to me via television and movies. And that is not a good source of information in general. Mm-hmm. Well, this, this is an example of how I am rather blind to many aspects of my own society because if it is a connection with the black community, I am unaware of it. Okay. All I know is that chicken and waffles is a thing, and I've never tried it. Well, this is this feeds me onto my second part of the chicken and waffle related questioning because I have tried it. I I have sat in a breakfast bar in California and had chicken and waffles, and as someone who's had chicken and waffles, I am forced to ask the question: Why does that exist? I mean, I had it because it was a thing I'd heard of and I was on holiday. But for some people, that's genuinely breakfast. And to those people, first of all, you, you're you going to die soon. You, you, <laughs> you can't be eating that for breakfast every day, right? You just stop, right? Have muesli tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not a big health freak, you know, but you cannot fry your breakfast every day, you, especially in breadcrumbs. That's not good for you right <laughs> and and second it it's not nice why have you done that fried chicken is nice waffles are nice fried chicken and waffles no no not wh- nice not not <laughs> on the same plate i would happily eat some chicken then some wa- then some waffles um i like gravy well, but i, I don't do it put in it on my frosties. i would have i would have waffles first and then chicken of course that would be me having breakfast and then having lunch yeah, and that, I, I guarantee you that pro- they're <laughs> that's the best way to do it. Two se- entirely separate meals, and I guarantee you that there will be American listeners to this show that are going to hear this discussion, hear your take on this discussion, mm. and they're going to want to shout back into their iPods. You have beans for breakfast. Some, yeah, that's true. <laughs> not that's, beans for breakfast over here is not something I've ever heard. Of, well, that nor have I ever tried it. That is part of the the so-called full english breakfast are you familiar with this concept the full english um, breakfast only passingly i know that i could call out beans as one of the breakfast foods because i've watched yeah. torchwood yeah and i saw gwen order something like that for breakfast and i said wait she everything else sounds fine but why is she having beans with her with her ham and eggs so you have your continental breakfast so-called because you'd get that on the continent which is how we refer to what you know as the rest of europe and they, mm-hmm. they have that light breakfast of some bread, perhaps some ham and some cheese, a coffee, maybe even hot chocolate that you might dip the bread or the, the croissant into, that sort of thing, right? It's already more extravagant than what we refer to as the continental breakfast over here. Yeah, but it's it's fairly straightforward. You'd just be offered lots of, there'd be a plate of cheese and a plate of ham and some bread. And that's, that's it. Maybe a hard boiled egg. I've seen that on occasion. Not my thing, but I've seen it. And the English looked at that and thought, yeah, that's all right, but I I think we can come up with something that might kill you if you eat it four days in a row. (laughs) And so we we went back to the lab and and (laughs) looked at our breakfast foods long and hard, (laughs) and we eventually came up with what is known as the full English breakfast. And on a full English breakfast, and 
anywhere that sells breakfast in this country sells this. Everywhere. I Right? All of them. As, as sure as a place that has food and drink for sale sells Coca-Cola, they sell full English breakfast, right? And that is a... Right, so you've got sausages, you've got bacon, and proper bacon, right? With, with meat, not just that streaky bacon shit with lots of fat and stuff. Like mm-hmm. actual bacon. You've got fried egg, you've got hash browns, you've got beans... Which are the baked beans in in tomato sauce, Heinz mm-hmm. Heinz baked beans? Anything else? It, it should actually be illegal. I, I if if there was a law passed tomorrow that said only Heinz are allowed to make beans, everybody else stop it now. No one would really have a problem with that, apart from the people that ran the companies that aren't Heinz. Really, the, the <laughs> right. public at large, not a peep. Everyone, the, the would, maker, the makers of Bush baked beans would be a little sore other than that yeah who cares no one would would be like other people make beans okay so you'd have that fried egg have i said fried egg yep that will be there some people will also have fried mushrooms and uh tomato as well again that's where i would pass on it i would probably go for an extra sausage and and or a rasher of bacon Mm -hmm. in place of the the fried tomato and fried mushroom there would also be toast and fried bread. Because <laughs> why not? And that would then come with coffee or tea. And that oh I, oh and black pudding. Uh you lost me. <laughs> uh you might know that as blood sausage. Is it no 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 yes, I I'm familiar with what it is, but you lost me as far as being okay with this breakfast. It's nice. <laughs> Now, the, there is an Irish, full Irish breakfast as well, I discovered, which is essentially the same thing, but with white pudding instead of black pudding. I don't know why that is, but that's that you can go to Ireland and have a full Irish breakfast, and it's essentially the same thing. And yeah, if you eat that four days in a row, you'll probably die. It, mm-hmm. It's made of cholesterol and and oil. That, the, that's how the, we make it. And the, the breakfast that you described is frighteningly similar to many breakfasts that I've seen um, over here in the U.S., I even here in in Michigan, where I live, um, just with a few differences, take out the beans and replace it with, let's say, grits. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Uh, take out the uh, mushrooms and the tomato, and then let's say replace that with um, biscuits and gravy, and you're pretty much right there. Hmm. I've had a breakfast because because this certainly happens in Quantum Leap. I have had a breakfast once upon a time. It came in four courses. They had to split the food into four groupings to bring it out to the table. That sounds very interesting, actually. I um, I would be up for that. Right. Uh, first grouping was um, assorted fruit, um, a bowl of oatmeal, and a small cup of juice. They're starting you off slow. You finish that off, and then they bring out the next round, which is going to be a full order of biscuits and gravy. Sausage gravy. Okay, um, so biscuits with the you know the white country gravy with um, the, you know pepper and, and crumbled sausage in it. You finish that, and then they bring the next round. The next round is where it starts to get fun because they don't put it on a plate. They skip the plate and they use the serving tray itself as the plate. Excellent. Serving trays are rather large. They they bring that out. It is I want to say a minimum of four eggs. Uh, cooked 
cooked to order. Um, three strips of bacon, three sausage links, three sausage patties, and two slices of ham. That's a lot of meat. I think there might be cheese on the eggs as well. Oh, I like that. Then you finish that tray, and then they bring out three pancakes and three slices of French toast. Do you know what? The the American pancake destroys me. Um, I And the way you all have a stack of them. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's so much pancake. Um, I can't eat that much of it. I mean, they're delicious. They're, they're absolutely amazing. I'm particularly partial to the made with chocolate chips in the pancake. Right. That's awesome. But yeah, like it, it, in Vegas, I had the chocolate chip pancakes. They brought me a pile of them. I ate one third of the pile of three pancakes and thought, if you just brought me one pancake, that would have been a lot better. <laughs> like I'd have had the same amount of pancake. You'd have saved two pancakes with the mix and uh, I wouldn't have felt like such a twat for leaving two thirds of my food on my plate. So, hey, we can't talk any more about breakfast, Scott. We can't. We have to talk about Quantum Leap. (laughs) All right. Well, last breakfast bit, that whole big breakfast I just described to you. Yeah. When I was finished and I finished every bite, I got my check from the waitress and I paid my bill and I got a copy of my check, copy of the bill for, for breakfast. And the waitress signed it saying that I had completed the entire breakfast. I took it to high school the next day, showed it to my economics teacher, and he gave me extra fucking credit in class. (laughs) Why? Because it was his idea. He had told the class, if anyone goes to this particular restaurant and orders this particular breakfast and eats every single fucking bite, then I will give you extra credit. And I did it twice. Brilliant. Well, once you know you can do it, it, it's, it's you know, just carry on with it. It's good. Exactly. <laughs> so that was it. That's all I had to get to. And now now, now we're back to the show. Um, and I'm going to force us to get back into the show by saying one of my favorite parts of it was the beginning of the episode, the very beginning. Sam was a little bit caught off guard when he realized that he was in trouble for sitting at that bar in the restaurant. But once he got out of there and found Miss Melanie and the car. He was able to piece together what it was he was supposed to do. He came up with plausible reasons for why he wasn't sure of where he was supposed to go. He did, yes. He he got her to go along with it. He figured out who he was, and he was able to roll with the leap and start doing the things he was supposed to do without Al's help while Al was trying to find him. This This is hands down the best example of Sam thinking on his feet and... And being smart about his leap from from the first moment. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I know I know the bit you're talking about. And the whole bit about how he gets her to describe where it is that they've got to go and that sort of thing. He does it ever so well. There are so many moments in this episode of him not knowing somebody who he should clearly know. Like mm-hmm. when his granddaughter comes to the back door. Yep. Uh, and he's sort of like, I don't. I don't know who you are and I don't know if I should let you in, but I can't go. Who are you? Because you might be my granddaughter and that sort of thing. I really feel for him in this one. Some of the stuff he has to do with the people he doesn't know, but does know. Right. And there are a few incidents uh, 
like this throughout the episode, but you're right. It, it's as it, he's now into it. I mean, even the preamble of the, you know, sort of the weird narration captain's log bit before the, the cold open, he, he talks about, it's kind of fun. I get to do all these things and that sort of thing. Saved mm-hmm. some lives and a pig and wrote the words to Peggy Sue. And now I'm going to be a black dude. It's cool. Yeah. For him to then, for for them to then show us that straight away is pretty good. It, it's very much appreciated. Yeah. And as, as the series goes on, he's going to get even better at, at showing up, taking stock of his surroundings, getting an idea of what's happening and not being a bungling idiot in his trying to figure out what's happening, but playing it cool and improvising. In, in terms of his initial leap in, this episode's actually quite an easy one. He's in a, you know, he's in a coffee shop. Yeah. And the fact that, that he gets a problem from sitting down at the, at the bar is, is obviously a problem, but it, it's not the worst thing. There are ones where he leaps into someone flying a plane or being shot at or strapped into the electric chair or, or whatever. Yeah, that's that's a big one. You know, it's just one of those things, the, the things we remember about our parents and the things that make us think about times with them. And that leap at the end in which he leaps into the electric chair, I just associate with my mother and me both yelling at the television at the same time as it comes to an end. Because uh, it's next week. <laughs> like, no! Because like, you'd never have that presence of thought to think, well, they, they're not going to kill him, are they? They're not just going to go, oh, you let into someone in the electric chair. Too bad. Bye. <laughs> That would, it's, yeah, that, that would, that's how it ends. That's how yeah. it ends. It's like you're getting to the end of the season and Commander Riker says fire. And you have to wait the whole fucking summer. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My family was destroyed on that night. We didn't know what to do with ourselves. <laughs> do you know what? We got those both at the same time. Oh, shut up. No, we We did. But we got, we still got next gen a couple of years behind the US. So, but at least you didn't have to wait for that uh, no for that summer break. Yeah, that was it. Right, well, you know, to to take my revenge, I'm going to point out something about this episode that is going to make you, well, maybe not you, but um, uh, Rick more than you, uh, definitely curl up in fear. This episode of Quantum Leap features the chief of security from the first season of Sequest. <laughs> I yeah I don't that could be anybody I don't know is it the old lady no it's the sheriff that would be awesome if it was the old lady though <laughs> it would have been <laughs> now, the the sheriff in this episode is played by Royce D Applegate who um, who was on Sequest I can't even remember the character's name but but imagine essentially the same character minus the racism plus a UEO um, submarine uniform. I'd have to look at it's what that uniform looks like. Black jumpsuit with um, with a white turtleneck. Actually, no, their turtlenecks were different colors for divisions. I think white, red, and something else. What, like Star Trek? Yeah, okay. It, kind of like Star Trek. Kind of like Star Trek. Well, the, yeah. the uniforms on season one of Sequest were closer to Deep Space Nine than they were to Next Generation. Deep Space Nine had black body suits with gray shoulders and the division color at the neck. Sequest had full black jumpsuit with a division color around the neck. You know, I found a pattern online so I can sew 
a don't, Starfleet. Don't, uh, don't Starfleet do it. Jack. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do okay. it. I, I know your wife technically stood in front of a lot of people, family and friends, and promised to stick with you no matter what. But I don't think you want to push that. <laughs> and so well, I, I don't think you should sew a Star Trek costume. That's that's just my opinion. Just the jacket. Just the jacket. Or how, how about <laughs> how about a Stargate jacket? That just you know there's no better answer to this. You know this. Let's not go down this road. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Yes, I've remembered now. Little bit disappointed that Sam wasn't there to get Jesse and Miss Melanie together. Uh, again, it's another example of every time he, he leaps into someone in a relationship kind of leap. It's with someone pretty good looking. Uh, right. I, I wish it had been an old lady or two mm-hmm. on occasion. So that's a shame. Maybe, what if he was just there to give Lady Melanie that last night of passion and joy? That one last one. Well, that was for the for the unfilmed sequel episode. They were going to come back to Miss yeah. Melanie. Um, with the, um, the positive reaction that we got to him leaping back into Jimmy, which we haven't met yet. But um, Jimmy is the character that he leaps into twice throughout the series. And... I'm sure that they were planning to do the same thing with Jesse and they were going to finally have Jesse and Miss Melanie um, profess their love for each other and um, and stop fighting it. But they got canceled before they could get to it. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. I would have liked to have seen that come together. You know what else is a shame? What's that? The, the fact that the entire time Miss Melanie is driving and Al is in the car with her, he keeps on shouting at her like he thinks she's going to start hearing him. Well, she does. That's that's the thing. That actually is the thing that bugs me most about this episode. Al saves the old lady. Was it really him that she was I, hearing? I think she hears him. I think she hears him. And plus, I think it's... Do you know what? It's one of those quantum leapy... Tr- forget that there's any form of science fiction-based canon here. And sometimes old people can hear Al. Like, sometimes animals can, and sometimes kids can, when it suits the storyline. Um... And I That's think true. this and, is and, one of and the, the mentally ill and the mentally ill, and I, I think this is one of those times. It serves the storyline for Al to be heard by this woman at this point, so she can hear him. All right. And I, I accept if this was Star Trek, we'd lose our mind about this. But it's Quantum Leap, so we let it go. This week, mm-hmm. old people can hear Al. That's fine. But again, I'm going to point to the fact as well. This was episodic television. When it was on, it was on. You watched it. If you missed it, you missed it. And once you'd seen it, it was gone. And you were probably never going to see it again as far as you were concerned in 1989. So you you forgot shit like that. You, you forget that one week this old woman could hear Al. Because that was eight months ago. And it was it was only 45 minutes of your life. You've moved yeah, on and- since then. And um, we didn't have a Quantum Leap wiki exactly. to consult be- between episodes. Yeah. Um, so they got away with shit like that. We're, we're, as as we all get older and, you know, we start talking about newer television series, uh, this will go away as a problem. But from 1989 to 1993, we were still very firmly in the, once it's on, that's it. They didn't, I don't even remember repeats of Quantum Leap whilst it was still, a, a you know, in its heyday. 
Yeah, it's rerun on television from time to time now. There'll be a random episode on. Uh, I think ITV4 does them here. Um, mm-hmm. But they were never, you know, at the time, that was it. If it was on or not, that was it. There was the episode, I can't remember what it's called. Sam has to play pool and Al helps him win the pool game by making little lines on the table that yep, only yep. Sam can see. I didn't see that until I bought it on DVD because the night it was on television, I got into trouble at home and my dad stopped me watching it. <laughs> and that was it. You that you missed it. You're not going to see it for another decade until mm-hmm. someone invents DVDs and brings out every television show there ever was. Then you can yeah, buy yeah. it and watch it without your dad shouting at you. Right. <laughs> there were a few that I kept my eyes open for during the summer when they would put on uh, repeats um, because I wanted to have them on tape. I was able to uh, record the the two-part um, return of the Evil Leaper episode, and I was able to record the two-part uh, Lee Harvey Oswald episode. And I kept those as movies on, on videotape for a while. I uh, did have a, an extensive collection of Next Generation recorded off the television, but that, again, was another source of friction in our house. Every time my dad wanted to record something, where are all those new tapes I got? Oh, I've used them. What? I, yeah, I recorded Star Trek on all six of those new blank tapes you bought. No, you can't tape over it. I'm keeping them. Yeah, that, didn't, we, that never went down well. Never once, believe it or not. We did that as a family. That was a family decision that we made. We invested in blank tapes, and across all those blank tapes, one episode of Next Generation was missing. That was it. The entire series, save one episode, we were, was on those tapes. We, just, we started doing the same thing with Deep Space Nine, but we, uh, we, we, lost the, um, we, we, we lost our momentum somewhere around season three or four with a few odd episodes recorded here and there, but we never got the full series on VHS for Deep Space Nine. The one episode where Worf teams up with his human brother yeah. in season seven, that's the one that we missed. Other than that, they're still around somewhere. And he's human as brothers, Polly from Goodfellas. <laughs> Polly. <laughs> yeah. I can't say it, not in that voice. I prefer to think of him as Lips Manless from Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy. That's true. He is that as well, isn't he? <laughs> yep. He is that as well. So to to drag us back, let, let, to summarize our, our show, do you know what? This is the first one in season one, bar the pilot. Because I think while you're doing a, a must-watch episodes of any television show, you should put the pilot in there, surely. Yeah. Regardless of how good it is. But this is the first one that we've covered where I would say you really should see this one. This this one is a blueprint for ones that follow. It is the first time you see a lot of political stuff coming in. It, it gets... It's really quite... It, it's not... The leap itself is not overly serious, but the issue it covers is very serious. And it yes. covers that issue extremely well. Um, and extremely sensitively, and from the right angle. Uh, it, it, it must have been fairly far ahead of its time for 1989. You know, there wasn't a lot of this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet, there it was in Quantum Leap. I felt that what made it not- notable was 
the fact that they did not try to take the the approach of siding with Sam. We should try to fix racism while we have the chance. No, they they kept it balanced with Sam's view and Al's view of no, don't mess with it. it don't don't try to move a mountain. You're just one time traveler. Let history do the work that we already know it's going to do. And in the story, it's balanced that way. And you can tell that the writers are siding with Al, probably because the writers wouldn't know how to try to fix racism with one character. Because, yeah, because it's absurd. You know, um, they actually don't they they go some way further to that. I believe the episode where he leaps into his grandfather in the Civil War. I think he frees a slave that they they insinuate is like Martin Luther King's dad or grandfather or something. Yeah, I think they, they work in that uh, that domino effect. Which yeah, is, it's, you know... It's been far too long since I saw that episode, so I can't remember it, for sure. It's a late one, I think. I feel it's a four or five, season four or five episode, just off the top of my head. I can't know every episode of all these shows I talk about, people. I, I, <laughs> do you know, I started to feel bad in the early days of Make It So when I couldn't associate an episode title with the episode. Um, and I, I got kind of better with Star Trek over the years, but as we started talking about more episodes of more shows, I, I've just given up on it entirely. I can't know. Yeah. I can't know all the X-Files show episode titles and all the Quantum Leap ones and all the Star Trek ones and all that kind of thing that nobody we have to switch to the, the episode <laughs> where dot, dot, dot. Yeah. We have that, to that's do that. The, that's the mode that we have to move to. With Next Generation, I can still follow more or less any given episode title. Give me the title and I can remember what happened. But it it becomes a lot more difficult these days, especially with shows that don't put the name of the episode on the screen anywhere. Yeah, you don't find out what it is until it's been on IMDb. Yeah, I have been uh, following... Uh, the I've mentioned them before on Movie News, the DC On Screen podcast, and they do a separate episode to review every episode of The Flash, every episode of Arrow, Supergirl, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Lucifer, Gotham. All of these shows, every time one airs on television, they will record a separate episode just to record that one show or just to review that one show. So in a given week, these guys have like six episodes a week that they release because they're reviewing all these different shows and each episode of their podcast will include the episode title. And that doesn't help me out at all. The ep- this episode you know, reviewing the uh, flash escape from earth Two. Well, I know which one that is because it's the most recent episode, but if I have to go back and review these, I'm going to have no idea which episode that is because none of these shows put their episode title on screen. They should do it. They should. I think they should. And I think I've picked out what our new Simply Syndicated podcast should be, because as I'm sat here looking at Quantum Leap on IMDb, it says people who like this also like ALF. (laughs) Coming soon to Uh, Simply Everything, an episode-by-episode analysis of ALF, the alien life form. Yeah. You know, the, the, the TV movie that picked up um, after the ALF series. They made a TV movie of uh, apparently ALF being like, you know, questioned and held by, I think it was like the U S air force co-starring Martin Sheen. Wow. Released 10 years ago last week. 
with Martin Sheen. Props to the Laser Time Network uh, podcast, 302010. Shout out to you guys. Woohoo. Wow. Anyway, that's got to be our show. Yeah. I hope you, you enjoyed that. Very loosely based around Quantum Leap. But hey, I, th- I think we touched on it from time yeah, to time. The, I, 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 I think okay. the title of this episode should be uh, Remote Control Oh Boy, Episode 7, Breakfast Time. Breakfast Time, yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go, everybody. You You know you like it. You know you like it. So all that remains to say is thank you for listening and we'll be back another time with another show. It will be the next episode of Quantum Leap if you're playing the home game, which will be the Kamikaze Kid. I watched that one the other day. It's fun. So, yeah. And actually does have an awkward moment with him. Yes, we'll come back to that next time. Anyway, thank you for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.